Hello and welcome to this edition of the He Doesn't Waste a Thing podcast. I'm Melissa Zimmerman and I am so happy that you decided to join me. Today my special guest is a friend of mine. Uh, She's an amazing woman of God. She's an author. She's a pastor. um, She's a mother. She's a nurse. She's all the things. And so today I welcome to my podcast uh, Sabrina Clausen. And Sabrina is the women's pastor at Liberty Church International in Weatherford. Uh, She has authored two books. We'll talk a little bit about her books today. And um, she, if I had to describe her in one sentence, I would say Sabrina is a woman of God. And and she's just wise and she has so much uh, just knowledge of the Word of God and she's a teacher. And so it is just such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Welcome to the show, Sabrina. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, you know, just for fun, I always like to start my podcast out with a little thing I call this or that, so we can kind of get to know you. Um, And it's just, do you prefer this or do you prefer that? All right. Okay, you ready? Try this out. (laughs) Okay. Um, Are you an early bird or a night owl? Oh, I would have to say night owl. Oh. Because I don't like getting up early, but I make myself. Okay. (laughs) All right. Do you prefer burgers or pizza? Uh, pizza. Would you rather read a book or meet with friends? Oh, read a book. Okay. <laughs> so that that helps us with the introvert or extrovert. Yes. yes. Right? Uh, would you rather go on an adventure or just relax? Relax. All right. Donuts, donuts or bagels? Oh, gosh. Really deep down inside donuts. Okay. <laughs> like being honest. It's Be totally what honest. It is. And finally... Big city or small town? Small town for sure. And I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. There, she's, she's born and raised in small town, rural western Oklahoma. Yes. Not born there. Raised there. Yes. Born. So, where were you born? I was born in California, actually. In well, Bellflower. All right. So my mom moved there. Moved from there when I was two, and I was raised between Woodward, uh, the Hinton area, and stuff like that. So, so rural western Oklahoma. Yes. Just young... Small town girl. Mm -hmm. Small town girl. You know, one of the things I love about you is how you and your husband met. Oh, gosh. (laughs) At my very young little age. Yeah. (laughs) Can you share some of that story? I will. So I met Abe. um, I was was a sophomore, I believe, in high school. And um, I had a friend living with me. She had been kicked out of her home. And she was dating a guy that lived in Lokiba. And which was about eight miles south of where I lived. And just interrupt here, Lokiba is like a place where I was. I've lived in Lokiba with the other two hundred friendly folks that live there. Yes. So super tiny. But go the ahead. All two hundred with one one store. Right. <laughs> um, but anyways, I would take her back and forth to see her boyfriend. And my husband is seven years older than me. So when he expressed his interest, I said negative. <laughs> I, I said you are an old man. Uh-huh. And of course, I was only. 15, barely 15 and a half at the time. And so he was 22, somewhere in there. And anyways, um, he asked me out about seven times. By the time I finally said yes, I was a little over 16, had just turned uh, 16 in August. And we went on our first date on October 31st that year and um, married, got married um, March the 12th of my senior year of high school. That was not because of anything bad. (laughs) Um, My mother had decided that she wanted to move to the city, and I was fixing to graduate. So we moved our wedding from June to March. So I was 17 years old when I got married. And um, How old was Abe? He was 24. Wow. So, and we will celebrate 27 years in March. 
Yeah. So you so. married your you married your sweetheart I from did. high school. He, he wasn't technically he wasn't, in high school. Was, yeah. You were in high school. I was in high school. And uh, you know it's 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 I don't know awkward is maybe not the best word, but when you share that story <laughs> now, I mean like the difference between being fifteen and twenty two is uh-huh. huge. Yes. As opposed to saying being like I'm five years older than my husband, and so you know when you're in your thirties and forties and fifties. That five mm-hmm. years shrinks to, it totally doesn't really matter. But there's so much life that happens between 15 and 25. Oh, yes. And um, and so was that a problem for you guys at all, that age gap? It really wasn't. My mom was very accepting of him. She loved him from the start. Um, and his parents had a little bit of a struggle with it mm-hmm. because of my age. And plus, my husband is German. Right. And his parents always wanted their kids to marry other Germans. And so I was I was German, but not their kind of German. <laughs> so, um, so it was a little bit of a struggle with them. But one of my jokes with him early on was, you know, he graduated when I was in the sixth grade. So I asked him, I said, well, would you have come and got me for the prom? You know, when you were, he's like negative. <laughs> so, it's kind of been fun. But no, we didn't really have, at that time, I mean, that was 27 years ago. We really didn't have a lot of people say anything to us about yeah. it. So. And, and, and I think, you know, like, what would I say to my daughter in the same, oh, what would yeah. you say to your daughter had she been you? Yeah, no, <laughs> that's exactly what I would have said. Um, both of my kids have honestly kind of struggled uh-huh. because I married so young and so they felt that they should be married at a younger age. And I'm like, you guys are not, there was a difference in a 17 year old me and a 17 year old them, Yeah, you know, and um, my life was much different than theirs. And so they've been much more protected. Right. So they're not quite at that mature, that more mature stage when they were 17. But no, I would not have um, allowed that at all. (laughs) So my daughter is dating somebody now. She's 23 and he is actually, I think, seven or eight years older than her. So, but that's different than 15 and, yeah, so. even when you're in your, once you hit that 20 market, the mm-hmm. time starts shrinking between ages. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about how you became a Christ follower. Well, um, I actually was saved at the age of four. And my mom says that she walked in my room and saw me kneeling by my bed. And she had taken us to church a couple of times and, and I had received Christ. And it was shortly after that that I had a dream. And in the dream, Jesus came and took me by the hand and he was walking me through a park And he um, was just talking to me, and he took me, and he set me on a rock, and he said, I have plans for you, and you will come and live with me someday, but I need you here to do some things for me first. And I've never forgotten that. And so my whole life, I've pretty much, I've kept that hidden inside of me, and I've never, um, I've never, I guess, kind of taken my eyes off of what I knew he wanted me to do. I mean, there was times that, yes, I did crazy stuff. You know, I was definitely a... um, kind of a crazier teenager, but, but I always had in the back of my mind, there's a purpose and there's a call. And so literally from the age of four, I have been a Bible reader and a, um, just a follower of Christ, a worshiper just, yeah, since that age. That's awesome. So, you know, and I think that that's a beautiful story. I don't think it's everybody's story for sure, you know? And so during the time that you were a Christ follower, since you were so young, um, I know I, I came to know Christ in my early teens, but I would still have had what I like to just refer to as some spiritual vacations along the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Did you find that to be true for you? I think so, yes. I mean, there were seasons. I know um, I lost my best friend at the age of 15. She was in a car accident, and I think that put me into a season of 
you know, I know you are a real God, but why would you allow something like this to happen to my friend? You know, and so that was kind of in between that break of stopping to seek him and, and just kind of going off on my own little path for a little while. Um, you know, just, I don't know. I dated a couple of different, I only had two boyfriends before I met Abe, but they were in that period of time. And it was just, I don't know. I just, that was probably one of the biggest times that I found myself really taking that spiritual vacation and saying, I'm kind of, I don't want this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it lasted, to be honest with you, it lasted probably until Abe and I, I mean, yes, Abe and I went to church after we got married and stuff. And I still kind of went here and there, but I kind of walked away from everything else. And I knew that I was supposed to be in, you know, with the body of Christ. I knew that my relationship needed to grow, but there was just so much hurt and um, confusion at such a young age. I just didn't understand. Mm -hmm. So that was something God and I had to really walk through. Um, And it wasn't until my daughter was born that I finally one day just woke up on a Sunday morning and I'm just bawling. And my husband was like, why are you crying? I said, I can't go back to your church. He went to a very small community church that there just wasn't, the Holy Spirit just wasn't there. And um, I said, I can't raise my child this way. I've, she's got to know the truth, you know. And so at that point, we began seeking a different path for ourselves, our family and stuff. So That's awesome. So um, let's segue a little bit okay. in. Uh, you've authored a couple of books. Yes. Uh, let's talk about your first book. Okay. My first book is called Fear Can't Have Me. It's Overcoming Fear with the Truth. My whole entire life, um, because of just things that had happened in my, in my childhood, um, it was based on fear. That was what drove me. And um, I knew that God had called me. I knew there was purpose. One of the things I loved to do was sing. Um, and I knew I was supposed to be teaching at one point in my life, but I had the biggest fear of people. I mean, massive fear. I would skip school on days that we had um, to give oral reports, you mm-hmm. know, or if I knew I had to read out loud that day, or uh, I hated reading. Um, I had a fear of like, I just was a massive people pleaser because I just didn't want to be told. I wanted to be loved and accepted in everything. Um, and that took me down a pretty, pretty negative path when it comes to when you know that your call is one thing, but you can't, you can't get to it. Um, I couldn't sing in front of people. So I chose band, you know, um, like I, you know, cheerleading. I always wanted to do that, but it was in front of people. I, there was just so many different things. And so that's what the book is about. I take you through um, my story to help connect to you. I explain how fear entered in at a very young age. And because I am a counselor, I kind of used a little bit of my counseling in there um, to show you how roots can be, how seeds can be planted and how, how life in general and people can help those roots grow. Right. And, um, and how God can help you pluck them out. That's awesome. And so finding freedom on the other side of that. That's really good. And your second book is called Roar. Yes. And it's not been been out all that long. Right. I released it in November of, um, yeah, it was, it was November, yeah, uh, 2020. Yeah. And so Roar t- Revival. Yeah. And talk a little bit about Roar because I love that. Well, it is um, a book about uh, readying yourself. I'll kind of give you what ROAR stands for. Ready yourself to occupy the land, to access and access your authority to reign as the bride of Christ. That's awesome. And um, it is a call to the church. Um, God began to show me several years ago, you know, that the church has to wake up. Mm-hmm. You know, we are truly the sleeping giant. Right. And if we don't wake up, we are, you know, the, there's the five foolish virgins and the five wise virgins. You know, if we don't wake up and get our oil lamps ready and get ourselves prepared for the bridegroom's arrival, we're going to find ourselves at a door that he's not going to answer. Yeah. And so 
my heart is to wake the church up and to get them to understand that revival isn't a place that we go. It's a reviving on the inside of us. And when we become revived and transformed, we carry his revival everywhere that we go. That's a really powerful statement. Um, Because I think a lot of people forget. They they think church is something we do. Revival is a thing that's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But the truth is, church is us. We are the church. And revival is in us. And um, we are the fire, we're the, we're the flame carriers yes, yes. to help light the fire for someone else. Absolutely. And, uh, and so as, where do you, where do you kind of see um, the Lord taking you, you know, kind of step by step? The Bible says that, that he's a, a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, but he doesn't show us miles down the road. Yeah, um, I wish he would. I wish he would. That'd be so much simpler. <laughs> yes. Uh, but where do you kind of, maybe where do you see God taking you? Where do you see God taking the body of Christ? What does that look like? What do you think? Because we are living in a crazy time. I have really been seeking him on that. Um, being the women's pastor right now at our church, one of the things I have talked to my my own pastor about is that I know that I'm not called to just women. Right. I never have been. Um, I believe that was God's way of preparing me. Um, and I do love to, I love to, go and minister at other churches I get to do that I didn't get to last year but um but I feel like he's he's raising my voice up to to be that I don't know would you I really don't even know how to explain it like one of my prayers lately is has has been for him to make me for me to decrease and for him to increase Uh and I want to be the vessel that there's so little of me that it's nothing but him Right. And that's what I want to be to the body. And I feel like that's where revival starts. And um, and if I could travel the world just telling people we have to wake up, you know, and, and that's what I would do. But I don't know what his direction is right now. I really don't. And how would you, and, and you say, you know, I would travel the world and tell them that we needed to wake up. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Let's, let's kind of extrapolate that out just a little bit. Okay. Well... The way I look at the church today, a majority, I'm not saying all of it, that's one thing I want to get clear, is a majority of the church, I look at it as um, we have climbed into a boat of comfort and conformity, and we literally have let the waves that the enemy has used to rock us help us to fall asleep. And we have been, we have drifted into a place that the church looks more like the world than the world does. Yeah. And um, we have to get back to a place of holiness. If we do not find that place you know that the word says that jesus is coming back for a pure and spotless bride that means holy right and holiness is literally walking out you know i'm not saying we have to be perfect but having that that desire to just do as god wants us to do and no matter what i have to lay down for the kingdom that's what i'm going to do and i believe that there is no if you go back and you read a lot of the generals of the faith you know, they lived a life that not many would live. Right. And so I believe in my heart that there is just a remnant that's willing to do that. Mm-hmm. But that's the remnant that's going to bring revival and cause the earth to shake, mm-hmm. per se. You know, and usher in just the, just what God's going to do, you know. And I love that. And I think, you know, I think, I think you're right. I think sometimes to, you know, I, to get where we want to go, you know, we can't do what everybody else is doing, you know. Yeah. If we want something that we've never had, we can't keep doing what we've always done. Mm-hmm. And and I think God is calling the church to a place of oneness with Him, yes. to a place of intimacy with Him, yes. 
And and I think if we can share with the body of Christ what and it and it comes through the demonstration of it in our own lives. If we can share what the what intimacy with God really looks yeah. like, right? Um, I think it changes our perspective. You know, I grew up with the concept that the Bible was sort of a, a book of rules of do's and don'ts, mm-hmm. and and I just had to try really hard not to do the don'ts, right? And and in fact, our you know I would say we. I kind of grew up in the shall not church because mm-hmm. we knew what we shall not do, yes. <laughs> but, but, I but I weren't, we weren't sure what we shall do, but mm-hmm. we were a hundred percent confident about what we shall not do. Yes. And, and I think it's so funny because when you try to live your life from the position of, well, I don't do these things. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're constantly focused on what I can't do, what I won't do, what's not right, that you lose the heart of what's right. And when you lose your heart into the father, then you then there's a lot of things I don't do now that I used to do and and I have literally no desire to it's gone. there's no draw yep. there anymore yep. and um and that's because those the things that those activities or beliefs or whatever filled those places in my heart don't need to be filled mm-hmm. there now because they're filled with the father yes. and that comes with maturity and time and intimacy with the lord and and I think that's your heart is oh, to help people so to is. go there yes it so is you know, um, I think about Revelations 2 4. That's one that I have pondered that uh, scriptural passage, actually, Revelations 2, several verses through there. But, you know, um, the John is writing a letter to the church, and he's saying, you know, I think it's the church of Ephesus, if I'm not mistaken. I may be wrong, but he's talking about, you know, God says, I'm, I'm proud of you because you've done this. And, you know, you've, you've, watched the prophets and known which one was true and which one wasn't. You've watched this. You've done that. You've, you know, you've done good works. You've done all of this. And he's going through all of this thing of, it's kind of like that sandwich thing, a piece of bread, the yucky stuff, and then another piece of bread or whatever. But it's like, you, you've done so well, but I have one thing against you. And that is that you've left your first love. Right. And I believe that that's the awakening in the church is coming back to that place of our first love. When our desire changes back to the place of our first love, there's a chapter in my book in Roar, called desire versus works and um and it's literally talking about that when your desire becomes fully for god it's not a works mentality it is a i just want to love you right and he removes those desires for what the world the world has placed in us um flesh is no longer driving right and that is just that's going back to your first love and you know it's funny because there was a lot of days when I couldn't understand how that could be possible, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Where your flesh didn't drive you, and and it's just as we mature in Christ, as we grow in that re- personal, intimate relationship with the Father, that we that the re- that it kind of works itself yeah, out. It absolutely does. It just works itself out, and you and the things that I used to think were awesome don't have any interest to mm-hmm. me anymore, and. And it's not because I'm holier than thou or because I'm better than anybody else. It's just God has transformed my heart. And that's the whole point of mm-hmm. what we do. Yep. And so I just love that, yeah. right? And and I think if if people walk away from this podcast and, and just have listened to us, if I think we can both agree that if they walked away with the idea that there is more to the depth of the love of the intimacy with the Father that is life-changing than anything else, we, we win, don't you we think? We absolutely win, yes, absolutely. And so um, thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. Thanks for sharing with me and hanging out with me today on the podcast. Um, 
of course, in the show notes, they'll find all of the connections. If they want to invite you to come speak, maybe they want to read your book, uh, where to get your book, all of those things, all the things will be in the show notes. And so um, really, if you're if you're a pastor or a church or a organization and you're looking for a speaker, Sabrina's your girl. Um, if you're looking for a good book to read, her books are, have to go on the must-read must list because they're awesome. And so anyway, thanks for sharing that. I always like to end my show with a... What I call rapid fire questions, right? Okay. Not deep and theological, <laughs> right? Just kind Good of luck. Well, just just fun things, right? So, uh, first of all, what is one thing you're really afraid of? Oh, spiders! <laughs> oh, my husband says I thought you were fearless, and I said there's healthy fears and there's not healthy fears. Spiders are a healthy fear. <laughs> <laughs> they go into the healthy fear. That's yes. super funny. Um, what's your go-to song for karaoke? Oh gosh, karaoke. I don't karaoke. <laughs> Me either. But that was like Um I do lead worship. Uh-huh. That's the same. Can it be the same? You're I still know. singing. Yeah, um, no. But no, I don't karaoke. What's a perfect date night for you and Abe? Oh, um, just going out and going to a movie. That is something that I love to do. Okay. In the movie of Sabrina, mm. who plays you? Oh, gosh. Any actress? Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... Just because she's cute, I would say Reese Witherspoon. Okay. <laughs> she's got the blonde hair. I think she does. Her hair changes all the time, but yeah. she's fun to watch. Okay. Um, what is one kitchen gadget you can't live without? Oh, my Instant Pot. All right. Got to have that. Got to love our Instant Pot. Mm-hmm. Um, and who, who in your life right now is teaching you um, the most about God? Um, honestly, I would have to say my pastor. Right. Well, Scott will be happy yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah. I, he's, he's one that I, that I highly look up to. Awesome. So. Uh, aside from the Bible, mm-hmm. best book you've ever read? Oh my gosh. Honestly, Approval Addiction. All right. By uh, Joyce Meyer. Okay. That set me free. Such a good book. Yes. And the last question that I ask everybody on the podcast, every single show is this. If you could say one thing and one thing only to make Jesus famous, what would you say? You said not deep and theological. Oh, man, to make him famous. Gosh, that he loves you. And that he just, he just wants to be one with you. Right. That's so, so good. Well, thanks for hanging out with me today. Thanks to you, the listener, for listening to the He Doesn't Waste a Thing podcast. This is that time when I ask for my trifecta of favors, uh, my trifecta of goodness. One, if maybe this is the first time you've heard this podcast, or maybe you listened to a couple of them or whatever, but would you do me a favor? Would you just hit that subscribe button so that all of the episodes coming up will be in your feed and waiting there for you? Second of all, would you give us a five-star rating on iTunes? Let's face it, Melissa Zimmerman, not the easiest name to find. And if you give us a five-star rating, it kind of helps us bubble to the top. And finally, and most importantly, would you share my podcast with your friends? Sharing is caring. And uh, so I hope that you care enough to share. Thank you for listening today. And until we meet again, remember, he doesn't waste a thing.